In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's day two at camp, and I'm here with Pat Kazizi. I probably said that so bad, it's unbelievable. <laughs> WKYC Sports. Pat, how are you? I'm doing good, Paul. How you doing, man? Good to talk to you. No, thank you very much for your time, and thank you very much for giving me uh, insight to uh, Camp 2. I'm obviously in London, and you're obviously in the heart of Cleveland, Bria, experiencing all. So um, the real headlines, tell us about Camp. But before you do that, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you've been doing this for the last three, four years. How did you get into it? Sure. So I uh, went to Ohio University where uh, Travis Carey went, actually covered him. And uh, Tyler Tettleton was the quarterback who was the quality control coach for the offense. So a bit of a, a bobcat connection there. Yes, yeah, so I graduated from uh, OU in 2013. And then I uh, worked in Zanesville, Ohio for three years, kind of doing the small market thing. And I've been in Cleveland since January of 17. So my first full season was, was 0-16. But then, uh, hey, 7-8-1 last year. And now – my goodness, the hype behind this year's team, just on paper, there's just so much talent. And Paul, I mean, that's that's been on full display the first two days of, of camp. And then on Saturday, we're going to get to strap up the pads and, and see our first glimpse of some real football. So really looking forward to it. And I believe you work with a Browns legend, uh, Mr. Donovan. I do, yes. Jimmy D, Jim Donovan, uh, the voice of the Browns, is also the lead uh, primetime sports anchor for WKYC Channel 3. So it's, it's, it's been an absolute joy and a privilege to work with him. He's one of the best in the business, if not the best in the business, and each and every day just trying to take a, a little thing from him and, and apply it to my own personal career. But it's been an awesome two and a half years uh, so far in Cleveland for me. And, uh, hey, ask me again in a few months because the way the Browns are looking this year, it, it, it should be a heck of a third year as well. Excellent. Has Jim given you any tips or anything for up-and-coming uh, reporters to uh, learn from? Um, I would say just his work ethic. Uh, with, with him, it's just kind of like just watching how he conducts himself day in and day out. And, I mean, the guy is just a workhorse, even still. Uh, he just uh, – he's, you know, north of, of 60 years of age, and he just brings it every single day. And he really just every day, I mean, there's no days off for the guy. The wheels are always turning and every day, even if it's in the, you know, the, the dog days of summer before training camp, uh, if he, you know, if it's just a, a run of the mill Indians game, he, he takes it very seriously. And uh, that's something that, yeah, I've absolutely applied to um, my, like I told you before we went on air, I'm 28 years old up and coming. And that's something that I apply each and every day when uh to, to take my job seriously, but also to have fun with it. And as you can tell with him in the booth, Jim, uh, Jimmy has ton, a ton of fun as well. Excellent. And uh, yeah, day two camp Browns. Let's start with the offense. Any highlights you saw from day two? Yeah. 
I would say uh, Damon Sheehy Giuseppe. We'll, we'll uh, a dark horse for you, Paul, right out of the bat here. Obviously, a, a long shot to make the team, you know, coming out of, out of Juco ball for Phoenix College. But his first two days of camp, and granted, you know, they're, they're wearing shorts. They put the full pads on for day three. But he looked really good in day two. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to cut right to the chase. Burn Terrence Mitchell twice in one-on-one drills. Uh, Mitchell, who, of course, was the starter last year before he suffered the broken wrist. And he also uh, had a really nice catch on a ball thrown behind him with uh, Robert Jackson guarding him and uh, won the jump ball. Sheehy Giuseppe did. So, yeah, I thought, I thought he really put on a show day two. David Njoku also um, hauled in a couple of red zone touchdowns uh, from Baker Mayfield. And that's a guy he, – he, he just puts – you can tell he just puts the work in and you can – I mean, it's absolutely showing. And he's a guy that can definitely take an even bigger leap and, and possibly realize his true stardom. Uh, coming up in his third year this year. This um, defensive back, Robert, was it Johnson? Robert Jackson. Jackson, yeah. Mate, I've seen um, OBJ absolutely separate him, and I keep hearing bad things about him. I yeah, yeah. Him. Yeah, so so OBJ did that to Jackson today as well. So he, Jackson's name kind of making headlines for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, OBJ was, was – and I, I uh, had my camera. I was – doing an isolation shot on OBJ as he was running this route. And it was a, it was a curl route. And my goodness, Jackson just kind of like, I mean, he fell, he broke his ankles as they say to use a, uh, a basketball term, but it, OBJ's footwork is just unbelievable. And even just through two days, I mean, he, he's the most talented football player I've seen. And yeah, jo- Josh Gordon was a talent. When you saw Josh Gordon out there, he, he was an extremely talented player. OBJ even more so. And the uh, OBJ's off the field baggage obviously isn't to the same level as Gordon's. So anyway, I mean, Odell's just been a treat to watch through the first two days so far. Yeah, I've been doing some research and some thoughts. And obviously the four wide receivers of OBJ, Landry, Callaway, Higgins, let's be honest, they're they're kind of locked on unless there's an injury. And then I know Ratley's been injured or not I, I, I don't know if I'm correct, but Ratley, did he um, train today or not? No, you're, you're correct. He was out with a hamstring injury, right hamstring injury. Had his, uh, had his hamstring wrapped up. And afterwards, uh, during his press conference, Freddie Kitchens uh, didn't exactly, you know, give, a, give us a timetable, but made it sound like this is something that he might be out at, at least a few days if not more. So that's something we'll, we'll have to kind of check back on. But it opens the door for, well, a guy that already, you know, proved his worth last year in Derek Willies. And as I mentioned, Sheehy Giuseppe too. So there aren't a lot of open spots. There's really only like one open spot on uh, for the wide receivers. But there's, there's going to be a ton of tep- depth no matter who they go with. Yeah, so my view is that the four – the big guns are that they're taken for, and fingers crossed we have no injuries. And then I think Ratley, wide receiver number five. And then we've got seven wide receivers all fighting for that wide receiver sixth place. And obviously special teams are going to be a key part to that. But we've got Blake Johnson, uh, Blake Jackson, yep. Mr. Strong, Willies. Uh, mm-hmm. My guy, which is uh, Ish Hyman, Mm-hmm. Dorian Baker, DJ Montgomery, and then Damon 
Shaley, Giuseppe, if I said that correct. There's seven of the guys and they've all got potential and they could all make this roster and they can all do damage in the NFL. So I'm really excited to know, like, who is that number wide receiver number six? Yeah, and it's it's definitely – I'm with you. I think it's going to be one of the most fun position battles. Obviously not the most important. You know, like we're not talking strong safety. We're not talking right guard. We're talking literally talking wide receiver six. But like you just said, Paul, there's so much talent between all those guys. It just like, uh, like a guy like Dorian Baker, local kid, Cleveland Heights High School, um, had some injuries at Kentucky, didn't play a whole lot. But, I mean, you just look at him and he certainly passes the eye test. He's a very big body, a good route runner, solid hands. Um, a guy, he's he's probably not going to make the team because just because of guys like Willie's, of guys like Sheehy, Giuseppe, and Ratley, uh, the, the guys ahead of him um, in the pecking order, but he could very well make an impact on another team. So a lot of these names, you, you might not see them in orange and brown uh, coming up in the fall, but you very well might see them on other NFL rosters. Like uh, Jaleem Strong, for example. I don't know if he's a third round or fourth round pick. I think he's around there somewhere. And I just can't see him making the roster. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. He, he, Jalen Strong, he's not getting a, a ton of reps. He hasn't gotten any, any first team reps. And he's, he's, I think he's, I'm going to double check this here. And I'm doing it as we speak. I think he's a, a former first round pick. Um, but, Obviously, he's he's not being treated like it, or, or nor has he he played like it. Again, there's just so much talent on this receiving core, and um, I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. But a guy like Strong, yeah, he he could end up being one of the odd men out here. I was thinking he could be like the Perryman of next um, last year, for example. But yeah, he's a, he's a third round pick. Third round pick. Yeah, my fault. No, it's okay. No worries. Um, but yeah, um, I think a lot of Browns fans wanted him in 2015 as a, a potential um, wide receiver for the Browns. But yeah, and what I hear, and obviously I'm in London, I hear third, third-hand information, but maybe his attitude's not as the same and maybe he's not as fast as Giuseppe, for example. So uh yeah, maybe he can catch. Maybe he's experienced at catching, but I, I don't know. At this stage, I think they're going to prefer to go with a gamble on a, a youth versus maybe a, a potential has-been. Yeah, and um, I just think that yeah, for that a deep spot like that, um, man, you, you bring up Perryman, and it's, it's it's weird not seeing him around anymore because boy did they strike gold with him and it's a shame they they weren't able to keep him. Uh, I think you, yeah, if you can find a burner for that spot like a Brashad Perryman, uh, then Jer, uh, Jalen Strong obviously fits that bill. But uh, bottom line is there are other guys you know in that top six. Antonio Callaway can run. Damian Ratley can run. So I just don't. I, just Jalen Strong. I don't think he has the best hands. I just don't think he's he's as, as much of a complete wide receiver as they're looking for. But, hey, you know, it's it, we're only two days into training camp, so he's still going to have plenty of time to, to prove himself. He's obvi- I, I highly doubt he's going to be one of the first cuts. I think they're going to give him uh, more than enough opportunities to try to rise to the top here and, and make a name for himself. Did you see much of Blake Jackson at all? Yeah, he, uh, he had a couple catches today. Um, seems like he's uh, – 
he's a guy who, you know, he's, he's been around now for a couple of years. Seems like he, he knows the offense pretty well. He's not a very big body. Of course, neither is Sheehy Giuseppe, but you can throw Sheehy Giuseppe in as a returner and, and he can help the team there as well. Um, I'm just wondering if, if you got a guy like Blake Jackson up against a guy like Dorian Baker, you know, you might rather have that, that 6'5 red zone threat uh, to kind of round out the rotation there. Not to say that Baker will make the team in that final spot, but just trying to kind of play devil's advocate in terms of, of you, you, you got to try to, um, I don't know, find a guy who can, who can make a significant impact one way or another uh, if you're rounding out your, your 53-man roster. And I'm, I'm not sure if, if Blake Jackson's going to cut it. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. He's a good player, though. All right, Pat, I'm going to put some pressure on you. Uh, Ratley's got the wide receiver five. Who are you going to go with wide receiver six? Oh, jeez. Um, I'm going to say, I mean, I'm right now, it's funny because a week ago I would not have answered this. I would have said Dorian Baker, but right now I, I think Sheehy Giuseppe because uh, also, Paul, because he's, he's such a great returner. And he clearly, I mean, this guy has made leaps and bounds and you, uh, of progress as a receiver. I mean, his route running through the first two days has been pretty good. And he was just so raw when they brought him in. Um, but, I mean, he's already made marked progress in, in that department, and, and he's a burner. He's a guy, you know, he's, he's just as fast, if not faster, than your, your Antonio Callaways and your Ratleys. So right now I'm going to say Sheehy Giuseppe for that final spot. Yeah, because if I'm correct, some of the punt returners, obviously we lost Peppers, uh, Hilliard, Hyman, and Giuseppe. Uh, I think Duke Johnson, I don't know if that's correct, but – Maybe Duke Johnson was doing a bit of um, pump returns. So, um... uh, the, so the so the kick return rotation today was it was Hilliard, it was Duke Johnson, uh, Dontro Hilliard, and another name to look out for, another Johnson, Dearness Johnson, who played for the uh, Orlando Apollos with Garrett Gilbert in the AAF, uh, had a really productive uh, career at uh, South Florida, as you can tell. A couple hours ago, I was just doing some research on him because a lot of these guys, you just don't know a whole lot about them. But he was the uh, he's the all time uh, all purpose yards leader at uh, at South Florida. So I had a really solid college career, and then he um, he made an impact in the AAF. I believe he was the the third leading rusher when that league folded, and he, he can run. So that's a guy to to definitely keep your eyes on in, in terms of being in the kick return rotation. And once again, Pat, I'm gonna put a bit of pressure on you. Um, week one against the Titans. Who do you think is going to be the pump returner or kick oh, returner? Jeez. <laughs> Sorry, Pat. Who do I? No, you're cool. Who do I wish? I I, I wish it no, was. Not Odell wish. Who do you think it will be? <laughs> um. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you know the Ernest Johnson will make the roster. So I'm going to go ahead and and uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say Dontrell Hilliard. In terms of in terms of kick returns, punt returns might might go a little differently there. But yeah, I mean you're right, Paul. The fact that I I think that was an area in which definitely uh, you know we, we might have taken for granted uh, with Jabril having Jabril Peppers back there. I mean he wasn't you know 100% successful in returning punts and kicks all the time. But now they've that's obviously one of the holes they've got to fill. Antonio Callaway kind of might be a, a name to throw in there as well. We'll have to wait and see. I must admit, I was watching a um, very small amount of college football, but um, when Peppers was at Michigan, I was watching him, and uh, 
I was super excited seeing him come to the Browns and his return game. I don't think we really got the best out of him. No, and he's got he's got a great opportunity with the Giants. And gosh, though, talk about the Giants. You know, you just saw uh, Sterling Shepard broke his pinky yesterday, and today Corey Coleman, the that Corey Coleman uh, tore his ACL. So, and of course they lost OBJ. So they've kind of been uh, going through it right now, and they lost Olivier Vernon. Uh, yeah. So the Browns say say thank you very much, but he's going to have. So I guess to to kind of. Uh, <laughs> What it boils down to is he's going to have a, a good opportunity, but he's not going to be on a very good team. Did you watch much of the tight ends today at all, Pat? Uh, the tight ends, a little bit. Like I said, uh, Najoku looked really, really good in, uh, in the red zone drill. And so between him and Demetrius Harris, who they brought in from Kansas City, who's, who's a big body uh, red zone threat, that tight end tandem is looking really, really good. But Najoku can absolutely be one of the, the breakout players for the Browns this year. I mean, and we saw glimpses of that last year. I don't want to act like last year was a bad year for him. But his ceiling is, is even higher. And he's going to be a, a really exciting player, one of the guys I'm really looking forward to, to watch develop over the next month in camp. Pat, were you at training yesterday? I was, yep. I, the Odell back that, um, show, we're, calling, uh, we're calling day one. He was, he was unbelievable. <laughs> I heard that I heard that he missed he uh, dropped a few catches quite early on yesterday though. Uh, he he did, but I I wouldn't read too much into that on on day one. Um, he also had some pretty unbelievable catches to kick off within five. It was back to back plays in eleven on eleven. Like I'm talking not even like five minutes in, man. Like he he had this unbelievable catch up. Uh, ball over his shoulder had to kind of leap up in the air just just to get it and and made a catch over his shoulder that was incredible on the sideline and then the very next play um should have had the ball the first time but ended up deflecting it in the air and it just shows you what kind of what kind of just gifted specimen he is the fact that he was able to to track the ball after misplaying it uh turn around, catch it, and all while keeping his whole body in balance. I mean, the body control it takes to do that. Um, it's you, There's only a handful of guys in the league who can do it. So I, I would focus on that more so than, than the drops. And, and he, again, and, you know, we talked about him snapping Robert Jackson's ankles today. He looked pretty good today. I, I don't think there's anything to worry about with, with Odell Beckham. I think he's going to be just fine. We've obviously lost. We obviously left, lost uh, Darren Fells, and now we've got Demetrius Harris, who's yep. ex basketball player. Um, how, how does he look? Um, we may be playing some two tight ends at time. Oh, are the Browns fans going to be excited by this guy? Yeah, I think so. And you know, Fells was an ex basketball player too, so. I think he's he's similar to Fells. He's he's tall. He's a big body. You know, he's a guy that can that can eat up space, and he's a guy that who can catch the football. He hauled in a few touchdowns. You know, thrown by Pat Mahomes last year. So bringing in a guy like Todd Munkin, who who likes to air it out and and comes from Tampa and that air raid offense, I think yeah, I think Browns fans are definitely gonna gonna um, really start to, to learn to like, if not love, Demetrius Harris. I think Najoku is going to be the main guy getting the targets in terms of the tight end core, but Harris is absolutely going to get some love. I mean, Fells made, made quite an impression uh, in the red zone last year, and I think Harris is going to slide right in and, and fill that role nicely. 
if I'm correct, the first touchdown for Baker was Darren Fells. I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're and, right. Uh, what about the depth in, in um, the tight end? Uh, did we see much of second, third team, Seth DeValve or P. Brown or... Um, uh, the valve, yeah, the valve looked all right. Um, I think he, he had at least a drop that, that sticks out in my memory. Um, I mean, look, the pressure's on Seth the valve. It's, it's kind of, you know, make it or break it right now. So I'm, I'm not going to, I'm, you know, let's just kind of wait and see how the next couple of weeks play out with him. But uh, I remember a lot, you know, if you remember a year ago, a lot of people were, were saying how, hey, you know, why, why'd you keep Seth the valve and why'd you cut Devin Kajust? So I don't know if anybody's going to – in terms of – I think Demetrius Harris is the number two. Uh, I guess the valve would be the third tight end if they elect to keep three tight ends in their roster. But he's, he's going to have to, to turn it up um, even more than he's done so far through the first two days. He's going to have to start putting on a show here. Or they might uh, kick him to the curb. I guess we'll just – we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. That'll be interesting, though, with the valve. Yeah, because – um, Austin Charles will probably play halfback and some mm-hmm. people say maybe Seth will play there but here we go do you think Seth DeValve is going to make the 53 roster in September? Oh jeez put me on the spot again sorry Pat <laughs> no 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 don't be um, oh man I'm going to I'm going to say no but um, yeah I, that, that's a coin flip but right now I'm going to say no there's just so much that can happen over the next month. That's a guy, though, that, you know, once August 8th, you know, preseason opener against the Washington Redskins, if I can pick out, like, a handful of players who I'm, I'm really going to be zeroing in on, Seth the Valve is absolutely at or near the top of that list. Yeah, Seth's definitely in that bubble. And um, What do you think? Do you think he's going to make it? I don't think so. I think they're going to go with uh, Pharrell Brown, actually. and uh, Another local guy, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe uh, a little bit in hype, athletic. They've obviously backed him over the years. Maybe a cheaper option for the cap space. Yeah, I think they made us go with him. It concerned me with Seth DeValve last year because he came back and he was healthy the last couple of games. And Kitchens just didn't give him that many snaps. And he can catch a ball. He's not probably the most fastest athletic guy but he can catch and uh do some um small damage so um i i just think maybe maybe now's his, his time's up and uh time for a change i'm gonna give you a, a a name here at tight end not to say this guy's gonna make the roster but just just the guy who's been who played well today and he looked really good in minicamp too steven carlson the uh, tight end out of Princeton, so we know he's a we know he's a smart guy. Uh, he had a nice uh, red zone touchdown today, and I'll tell you, just watching him in in minicamp and OTAs, he he's caught everything that's thrown his way. Um, Two hundred forty pounds. He's he's a big body. All these all these guys are, but he's got really good hands. So uh, that might be a guy. Hey, it might be a guy that that challenges Seth the valve. Well, I mean, he's young. So I'm I'm not gonna you know make any guarantees that that Stephen Carlson's gonna make the team over like you said a guy like Pharaoh Brown but it's it's definitely a guy who who has turned some heads early so hey it's it's just kind of fun to watch some of those undrafted rookies especially when they come in and make plays and for me it's 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 it sounds stupid 
I love preseason and I love undrafted free agents. It's it's weird. It's like golden gambles. You never know what's going to happen. And yeah, I'm me correct, too. Me too. Stephen is ex Princeton, like Seth De Valve, so he's almost like a carbon copy of Seth De Valve. That's a good. That's a great point. That's a great. Yeah, that's a good point. So maybe will, will they go with the the younger of the uh, of the two clones there? I guess. I guess we'll see. <laughs> And to reverse the question, uh, you to me, I think um, I think they'll go Pharrell Brown as the third tight end. Okay. That's just my thoughts and feelings, but I could be so off the uh, pulse. I don't know. What about, um, what about the running game? I know we haven't got any pads on. Did you see much of it today? So I was, have been really impressed by uh, Nick Chubb catching passes out of the backfield through the first two days. And obviously like Duke Johnson's known as, as the pass catching running back. Right. And, and Chubb is, was a phenomenal runner last season. I mean, this guy, he's, he's flying so far under the radar right now. Like I think he can easily be a, if, if he's not already there, uh, there are a lot of questions about the line, but I mean, he has the potential to be a, a top five running back in the league. And the fact that you can tell, I mean, he's, he's, he's been catching everything uh, today, especially comes to mind and yesterday, but um, his, his route running is very crisp and, and he's, he's hauling everything in. He, he at times he even kind of looks like number 29, you know, when he's hauling in these balls. So um, in terms of actually like running the football, I think we'll get a better indication of that tomorrow, you know, when, when they have pads on, but yeah, Nick, Nick Chubb, I mean, he's he's such a weapon and uh so he's gosh i mean we already know he's fun to watch but he's going to be even more fun to watch in his uh in his second season yeah obviously uh his old teammate uh sony mccall and uh other pats you know like i thought he was potentially the more creative player and when we got chubb maybe we got the second worst ride or um, running back, but sure. I think he's shown obviously with the uh, was it ninety two yards last year, and um, yeah, yeah, he's he's owned that running back position and um, rece- receiving and running, and obviously Hunt's going to come back week nine, so obviously he's a great uh, receiving running back. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think we all know how good Chubb can be. And his potential. My my question is more on the depth. How did Duke uh, look today? He looked, he looked good yesterday, but how did he look today? Uh, he looked good today. Yeah, it's um, he's you know he's Duke. He he has excellent hands. Still, I mean, he he catches everything that's that's thrown his way. He's he's taken first team reps uh, through the through the first two days. He's been he's been taking reps on and off with the first team. So. Duke looks good and, and he's, you know, just, we still haven't been able to talk to him yet. And I mean, obviously that's, that's, you know, the very first guy I would, I would like to talk to just to, uh, to hear if he's still, I I can imagine. And I I do still think he wants out of Cleveland. You know, he just hired Drew Rosenhaus as his agent. That wasn't by accident, but he's, he's still coming out on the field and he's, he's still, obviously giving his all every day and, and, and he looks good. And if, if they do elect to hold on to Duke uh, past the, you know, into the season and past the trade deadline, I mean, my goodness, the packages that you can, you can draw up like Todd Munkin and Freddie just have to be salivating 
Uh, you can, you know, line Duke up out wide. You can, you can have Kareem and, and Chubb in the backfield. Like you said, uh, Kareem can obviously haul in passes too. Just, just so many weapons. And, and, and they obviously have depth too if they hang on to all three of those guys. And then you got Dontrell Hilliard who can return kicks and, and is, is a pretty viable number four option there. So that's, obvi- that's one of the, the strongest positions right now for the Browns is running back. Obviously, um, Duke Johnson's been a warrior, a savior to the Cleveland Browns, obviously through the, the tough times and third downs. The, the amount of excitement he's given to the Browns fans uh, running and uh, receiving has been, been amazing. But I don't know where his head's at. And it sounds like he's being very professional at the moment. He's come back, given it all. And I really, I really do hope that he's with us for the first half at least. And I can't see us keeping Duke Johnson, Hunt and Chubb. That just seems like absolute fantasy dream team football. Sure. sure. Um, you have to balance the books and Hilliard's, I think, gonna, it's going to be Chubb, Hunt, Hilliard if if uh, Hunt stays out of trouble and Duke gets traded. But, but we never know with injuries. Running backs are very position that we can get injured very quickly. And yeah, you said it, Paul, running backs is such a fascinating position because one way you can look at it is, you know, two, three weeks into the season here, a, a team, you know, a starting running back for another team can, can go down and whatever the Browns are being offered for Duke Johnson right now is, is probably going to increase exponentially. But you can also look at it on the other side of the coin. You know, look at a guy like, like C.J. Anderson that the Rams just bring in off the street, and he, he goes on to look better than Todd Gurley um, down, down the home stretch there in the playoffs. So it's, it's just a really hard position to figure out. Um, but good on Duke for, for being a professional and for, for going out each and every day and, and, and still giving 100% because he's – I mean, I'll, I'll tell you right now, as, as someone who's been there for the first two days of camp, he's, he's running his routes hard. You know, he's got a smile on his face. And, and Baker said yesterday when he, when he was asked about it, he said, hey, uh, he – you know, I, I said before at the time Duke requested the trade, we only want guys who want to be here. Well, guess what? He's here. So we're good. Baker said that about Duke. He said, you know, they've – I don't think they've spoken in depth about it the way that Baker was talking about it. But um, he was slinging the ball to him yesterday and today. And they are obviously – they know each other well in terms of uh, on-the-field performance. And, and they're already in pretty good sync. So that's a guy that if, – if I'm the Browns, unless – um, like I said, the, the running – the trade offers for running backs just aren't very high. I'm – probably not going to trade Duke Johnson, you know, for anything for say like a, a fourth or fifth round pick. If a team offers you a, a two or a three, great, but I just don't think that's going to happen. And I think, uh, like I said, CJ Anderson uh, going to the Rams last year is, is a, is an example of why I don't think that's going to happen. It, it's almost just like running backs are, are a dime a dozen to sum it up. When you look back at it like that, Hyde got, I think we got a fifth for him. So yeah, uh, Dorsey did well. But moving swiftly on the O-line, a lot of question marks around right guard. How did it look like today? So today, Kyle Kalis took the reps with the ones. Uh, that, that, I mean, the bottom line is there's a battle between Austin Corbett and Kyle Kalis for right guard. 
Um, and Kush? Kush was with the twos. So Corbett was actually the, the center, the center with the twos today. He was the backup center, and, and he struggled a little bit, probably because that's not a position he's used to. So I wouldn't kill him a, a ton in terms of struggling at center. Um, but, yeah, look, I mean, it's, it's wide open at right guard. I, I, but I, do, I think it's between Kalis and Corbett right now. I, Kush hasn't gotten any first-team reps. Now, Kush is, is a solid backup. But if there's, if there's any backup um, that I would keep my eyes on, it would, it would probably be – and uh, his name's escaping me right now. I'll, I'll think of it in a sec. But uh, the backup tackle from, uh, from Houston, I think he would – if they would, no. Um, Sorry, who would you say? Let's go for the O-line. They've got Weissman, Kush, um, Forbes, no. Um, Kendall Lamb, sorry. Kendall, Kendall Lamb, okay. Yeah, I think, I think Kendall Lamb can, uh, can play right or left tackle. So that might be a guy to keep your eyes on in terms of, of a backup that, that kind of might make an impact here because as, as good as the Browns are right now in, on paper and skill positions, Chris Hubbard and Greg Robinson on the ends there, um, it's, it's, it's not ideal. So that – the the big battle is at right guard, and then obviously left guard and center are chalk with Batonio and Treader. But uh, right tackle with Hubbard and, and left tackle with Robinson, they they both look good today. But that's that's going to be interesting when you got a guy like Kendall Lamb who who started 13 games with the Texans last year, albeit that was a really bad O line. But um, you know, a guy with experience as a starter, kind of breathing down your neck. Um, there's there's a there's a lot of holes to fill on the line. That's that's the best way to sum it up on the offensive line. I was a lot more um, once again reading it online and Brown's Twitter. I was a lot more positive on the O line than maybe you were. Do you think um, that's fair, or do you think that there is a lot more concerns that you're seeing at camp than uh, maybe we're seeing online? I'm not necessarily making. Uh, yeah, I'm not necessarily. Um, you know talking giving giving us opinion based on what i've seen from camp because it's, it's just hard to tell through the first two days you know when when guys don't have pads on i just i mean do, do you trust a guy like greg robinson at left tackle I, the fact that he's still even with the team is is kind of unbelievable and he's already in in my opinion exceeded expectations by by still being here and, and earning that that second uh, one-year contract but you know, that's not that's not your your franchise left tackle, and Chris Hubbard was pretty lackluster last year at right tackle. So how do you really address either of those concerns right now? I mean that's 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 hard to say. That's probably just something they're going to have to do in 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 the coming years. But when you've got a quarterback like Baker Mayfield, I don't know, man. Just Hubbard and and Robinson on the ends, they're. They're not doing it for me, but we'll we'll see. We'll 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 see if uh, if they can develop here uh, over the next month in camp. Okay, well, I think that's quite fair. I've I've heard some reports saying the airline's done a good job of protecting Baker, and uh, there's some obviously some people with concerns who our tackles are. So um, it's a, a real mixed bag at this stage. What I'll say, though, is it is really good for the line, the fact that they get to go up against that defensive line, that front four in practice, because they're nasty. I mean, Garrett, Vernon, you know, Joby, Richardson, 
going up against all four of those guys is only going to make that offensive line better. So that, that should, that should definitely help them. Uh, if nothing else, give them some, some film to watch because that that's going to be one of the best D lines that they face this year is on their own team that they're going to go up against multiple days a week in practice. Yeah. So uh, moving up to the defense, um, how's the um, second team, third team in defense been looking and how's that been uh, um, coming across? Well, with, I'm really interested to see, obviously, like once they put the pads on and, and start hitting tomorrow, uh, how it's it's going with the linebackers. Um, but they're playing a lot of nickel, at least thus far. Um, TJ Carey is is you know who I talked about before uh, is is the nickel back, and uh, then you got Kirksey and Schober in there. But just just seeing guys like Sione Takitaki and Mac Wilson kind of uh, you know getting their feet wet, uh, it'll be interesting to see how those guys do. Um, once they can, they can, you know, finally actually hit uh, the the offensive players. But uh, like I said before, you know, cornerback uh, Greedy Williams versus versus Terrence Mitchell. That's very real, and that's that's definitely one of the most important battles. And Greedy, uh, if if today is any indication, is absolutely giving T. Mitch a run for his money. And then, of course, you've got a, a really good battle cooking at uh, at strong safety as well. Uh, Jermaine White. Whitehead is, is getting a lot of first-team reps. Morgan Burnett, um, I think when they brought him in, it was, it was kind of assumed that that was going to be the starter. But the coaching staff really likes Jermaine Whitehead, so I think he's definitely breathing down uh, Burnett's neck. Yeah, that's, that's a really exciting battle. Um, obviously, the ex-Steelers guys come in, bigger salary, probably expecting to start there, but they really like this uh, Whitehead, don't they? Yeah, they do. Uh, guy, well, they they both played at Green Bay. Um, Dorsey just has has a thing for those former Packers, doesn't he? But yeah, Whitehead is uh, is younger. Uh, he's physical, and he's uh, he's not afraid to to hit somebody. And um, Burnett's Burnett's a little older now. Burnett's that veteran presence that that you like to have back there, maybe paired with a, a younger guy like Demarius Randall, but. Whitehead is is certainly going to get even if he doesn't win that job. Uh, keep in mind, Burnett is is injury prone. I don't know if he's ever played sixteen games in a season, so we will as long as he stays healthy. We'll see White Whitehead back there in some capacity, uh, even if he's not starting. He he's going to get snaps during the season, no doubt. A really interesting thing that Jake Burns has uh, highlighted was Garrett Richardson, Larry Vernon is your starting uh, D line. And then behind it, the second level, which is Avery, Coley, Acule, if I said that right, and then Zettel. And then with the thirds was Chad Thomas, Price, Davis, and Smith. So um, it's really interesting who the second team D-line is there of Avery, Coley, Akula, and Zettel. And last year, what I watched as an armchair fan versus maybe an analytical fan. I actually really enjoyed what I saw of Zetto. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a player for sure. Um, but of all those names you just mentioned, Paul, Chad Thomas is the guy, this is his show and prove year and it's only his second year, but he was pretty much invisible last year. Um, so that's a guy that in terms of, of the reserves on the D line that I'm really going to want to keep my eyes on. And, and, I read today, I didn't get to see a whole lot of it, 
um, because of my other obligations during during practice. But I read today that uh, he and uh, Thomas and, and Kendall Lamb had some had some battles. So that that's gonna be uh, it's gonna be cool to see if if Chad Thomas can can make his way up from from the threes to the twos. I mean, he's got to. They they invested a, a pretty high, relatively high pick in him. Uh, give uh, at least in comparison to what he's given them so far. I mean, he's just gotta he's gotta show them more, and uh, and we'll see because the potential's there. I mean, he was he was he was a beast at Miami, but he's he's got to up his game now uh, in his second year with the Browns. Excellent, and um, you mentioned uh, um, Greedy had a great day today. I think everything online was very Greedy positive. But anything else in the uh, cornerback that you saw today? Um, no, no, not really. I mean, it's, it's, you know, Denzel Ward, the, uh, the warden on the North over on the other side. And then it's, it's, it's Mitchell versus greedy for, for the other, other position. And then you've got other guys, you know, your, your, your Philip Gaines is, uh, trying to, uh, just make the roster. I mean, he, he should make the roster, but all those other guys are basically just competing for, for second team reps and roles. Let's move on to the special teams. I heard we finally saw some kicking. Yeah, we did. Yep, yep. The uh, the kicking battle: Greg Joseph versus Austin Seibert. And look, give give the kickers love, man. That's that's gonna be that's this is gonna be a battle. Uh, so Joseph went four for four today. Seibert uh, did miss one. He went. He almost went two for four. He ended up going three for four. His his forty eight yarder got a little lucky. Banked in. And he really got the crowd uh, riled up when he did that. And John Dorsey was standing right under the uh, the goalpost. So that was uh, – yeah, it's it's going to be exciting to watch those guys go at it. Um, give Seriously, give Greg Joseph credit, though. You know, when, when, when a team reaches out and, and drafts a kicker like the Browns did with Seibert, I mean, you obviously, like, they're planning on him starting. Like, you're, you're not going to roster two kickers. And you're not going to draft a kicker unless you're planning on having him on your 53-man roster. But so far, Greg Joseph's holding his own. So, I mean, if, if Joseph wins this battle, they're just – well, I mean, we'll see. Like, they're – you know, you, you got to roll with Joseph. If, if he shows uh, more resolve and more consistency than he did last season. Because, yeah, he was shaky last season. But um, so far, you know, on at least I say so far – um, he he looked good during mini camp as well though. But um, yeah, hey, on day two at training camp, uh, Greg Joseph brought it, made all four of his uh, kicks, and the longest one was 52, 51 rather. So um, and that's kind of was the knock against Cybert. He made a he racked up a ton of points at Oklahoma, but um, wasn't incredibly accurate. Didn't really attempt a whole lot of kicks from distance, which is I mean you've got to be able to do that in the NFL. So we'll see if he can uh, be more accurate from distance here uh, in the coming days. Really good point. Um, yeah, Greg Joseph seemed uh, before um, training camp that he was slightly winning the battle. And so far, he carries on that trend. He, he's kicked four for four today. And he's doing no wrong. So it's going to be a real, real tough uh, decision by the special teams coach what what he's going to do you know there's going to be pressure you know you've taken a kick with the fifth round or do you go with the person that's just out kicked the other guy during uh pre-camp yeah and yeah fifth round i mean you said it like that's it's 
it's not the Raiders taking Janikowski in the first round, you know, back in the in the Tom Brady draft. But a fifth round kick of pick for a kicker is an investment. So, I mean, you said it, Paul. The Browns they're they're gonna have a they're gonna have a decision to make, especially if Joseph keeps up this consistency. Yeah, and fair play to him. I'm not his biggest fan. I'm a Chelsea fan. He's a Man United fan, and he's <laughs> op- openly come up, come out with wearing a Man United jersey. Which yeah, he has done that. Yep. Something you don't do, but anyway, um, that's a that's Premiership, and we're not a EPL podcast for a, a Browns podcast, so we'll leave it there. But he um, he's definitely got the. Zane's a friend of mine, so um, I, I spend time with Zane in London. I spent time with him in Cleveland, and you know he's he's a good guy. He's got um, he's got all the stats behind him. But Greg Joseph is fearless, you know, and you you can't put a price on that with a kicker. And as a Browns fan, you watch him, you go, "Oh my God, it's gone ten feet or ten yards wide," and then it goes in. You know, it's not good for your heart watching Greg Joseph kick. But he seems to get the kicks. Yeah, the, the that game-winning kick against the Ravens is like the most perfect example because, he, like, he kicked it out, like he kicked a knuckleball line drive, like two feet above the goalpost. And you're like, how the heck did that go in? But I, the kick, hey, if the kick goes in, um, I don't want to say that's all that matters, but that's that's the most important thing. So yeah, he's he's maybe not the. Uh, the sexiest kicker out there, but I mean, you said it, he's got heart and, uh, and he's showing that heart right now. He is to, to make all four kicks today, you know, with all eyes on you with everybody expecting this cyber kid to, to kind of come in and, and take your job. That's, that's huge. So good for Greg. Yeah. Good for Greg. Yeah. And uh, I do like it on the dog and uh, he's done no wrong. So um, fair play to him. And uh, I, yeah, I'll say it online. I hope he wins the battle because He's done everything right the hard way. Totally fair. Totally fair. Great. And um, um, did you spend? Did you stay around for any of the press conferences at all? Yeah, I did. So um, it was uh, Jarvis Landry. Um, I always want to call him Kevin Zeitler. J.C. Treader. So Landry Treader, uh, Joel Batonio, and then and then Kitchens. We've been waiting for Olivier Vernon. He hasn't talked yet, so that might be a guy who speaks tomorrow. But, of course, Landry was kind of the headliner there, and he was, he was pressed a ton about, like, hey, look, like, you're, are you cool with your statistics uh, probably going down this year, the fact that, that OBJ is here now? And, obviously, like, the, the correct answer that you want to give is, well, yeah, like, I, I just want to win games. But the way that Landry, like, says that, and articulates like I mean you can just you can see it in his eyes you can you can hear and feel it in his voice like more than anything the dude and, and Landry and, and Baker both had this in common I mean the dude just wants to win so it was it was cool to hear that from him today and, and OBJ echoed echoed the same sentiment when he talked yesterday I mean all three of those guys who are not only your best players but also your leaders on that offense more than anything they they just want to win football games and um it's what more can the Browns ask for? You know, you don't want individuals. You're going out there 11 on 11. You're playing as a team. And uh, Jarvis Landry is certainly one of the best teammates on this roster, no question. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, once again, watching and looking online, I haven't, a lot, I haven't heard a lot from Landry um, so far in this preseason. 
Um, sorry, say, say that again. Sorry, uh, Landry, I haven't heard a lot. Is he injured or is he not getting a lot of reps? Or? So he, yeah, he, um, Freddie Kitchens actually did say after practice today that he's been on a bit of a pitch count. So that's a good observation that you uh, that you picked up there. I mean, he he is he he got reps. He just didn't get as many as as some of the other guys. And uh, remember, he had that unspecified injury um, during OTAs and, and mini camp that held him out. So I, I think and, and Kitchens kind of brought the the data to back this up when he was pressed about this today. That most injuries during training camp happen within the the first five days. So he just wants to be careful with the, the at-risk guys to make sure that those injuries aren't re-aggravated. So there's nothing to, to see there because Landry actually did have a couple nice catches today, and he did score a, a touchdown. Uh, Baker threw him a nice ball. Landry ran it in during 11-on-11 work. But they just want to be careful with him. I mean, such a, such a, a talented and electric player to, to slide alongside Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, you're talking arguably the best wide receiver combo in the NFL. They just want to make sure that uh, – He's going to be A-OK come uh, week one against the Titans. Excellent. Well, Pat, my last question for you is, uh, Mike Daniels, do you think he's going to become a Browns? So, Mike Daniels actually, Paul, um, signed with the Lions. Oh, has he? Yes, he did. So, the Browns the Browns missed out on him. So, that's uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the, the Browns were the first team he, he visited, but he elected to go a, a different direction. Uh, signed a one-year deal. So um, in terms of depth, it would have been nice, but the Browns, you know, we talked about Larry Ogunjobi and and who is another guy, slot him alongside David Njoku in terms of of a guy who was good last year but can be even better and scarier this year. Um, and, And Sheldon Richardson, who's proven, who the Browns paid, who they expect to come in and perform. I mean, they're, they're looking pretty darn good. Um, up front with their two defensive tackles, even even without a a veteran like that, who would have been nice to have, but it sounds like in probably in part he wanted to go to the Lions because there's probably more of an opportunity for playing time for him there, not just being a rotational piece. Yeah, excellent. I'm just googling now. Uh, Nine point one million, seven point eight guaranteed. Yep, it's a lot of guaranteed money too. He kind of made a quick decision after leaving the Browns, though, with the Lions. Right, yeah. I was, uh, I was surprised by that as well, yeah. Um, you think back to Gerald McCoy. Remember, he, re- he really milked that. He kind of took his time, made sure he, he had all his visits, gave it Fourth of July weekend to kind of think it over. But, and maybe, hey, maybe it was the dollar signs there. Maybe when he saw that, that 7.8 guaranteed – I highly doubt the Browns were, were offering him that much. So he probably saw the dollar signs and said, all right, let's, uh, let's go try this out in Detroit. I do personally think the one position where we could sign someone is a defensive tackle as a depth player. And, and maybe McCoy and Mike Daniels were maybe one level above what we're looking for. You got to remember we are over our cap space. So Mm-hmm. shot for saying this but um we are spending a little bit too much money at the moment so uh, i understand maybe why we didn't go ahead with it but yeah definitely uh defensive tackle is i think we're one player away of uh, a full roster yeah and i, I think you may, i think you kind of hit the nail the nail on the head there paul i think i think just in terms of what those guys are, are commanding on the market it's it's 
plain and simple, just more than the Browns can afford. But what I do want to point out in both of those instances, you know, with, with McCoy and with Daniels, who was the first team they visited? They both visited the Browns first. And as, as, as Brown, Browns fans should be excited about that, even if you don't have the capital to bring these guys in, uh, Cleveland was the first place that both of them were looking, even with that stacked defensive line. But look, I mean, the Browns in, in terms of, in terms of their needs, uh, yeah, I mean, every team needs depth, maybe except for the Browns at, at wide receiver, as we talked about before. But um, I think they've, they've got guys, uh, you know, you mentioned Daniel LaQuale earlier, guys that are kind of up and coming, um, who, who can, can plug those holes and, and be called upon when needed to make plays. Yeah. Well, Pat, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for the uh, comprehensive view of uh, day two at the camp. What's your plans for the rest of the year? Oh, rest of the year. Well, it's it's just trying to see the light at the end of the tunnel with camp here. Looking forward to the next month, and then we're gonna off and running uh, for for the Brown season. So just really looking forward to the season. I mean, all the any media member that they're they're lying to you if they're telling you that you know the same excitement and electricity with the fans. Hey, the the media has that same exact level of excitement in that in that media room which sounds kind of funny to say but it's it's really is fun already you know before the first preseason games even been played to cover a team with with so much hype behind it it can be exhausting at times but uh, it's much better than the alternative that was my first season here two years ago I can say that for sure yeah I can imagine um it wasn't a great season and uh it was very tough to be motivated and hopeful after every game. And will you be traveling to all the away games or just home games? Most of the away games, yeah. Um, not all of them, but uh, just kind of rattling off a couple. The, the Jets game, I'll be there. The, the Niners game, I'll be there. The Patriots game coming off the bye, I'll be there at Foxborough. Really, really, really looking forward to that one. But the beginning is just – the beginning of the season, I mean, we're going to learn a lot about this team through the first four or five weeks. They've got all those primetime games. And, you know, you look at the Titans, you look at the Jets. They're, they're teams that the Browns are supposed to beat. But, um, you know, a team like the Titans, and, I mean, you know, they've got an, an experienced head coach. They've got um, a lot of returning guys. The Browns have a lot of new pieces. So I just – I really am interested to see how this team comes out of the first, again, four or five games of the season. And um, if there are setbacks, you know, how do they handle the adversity, especially with a first-year head coach? It's really going to be an interesting season. It's going to feel like it's going to kind of be like a three- or four-part act here in terms of how this team gets through it. Uh, but, I mean, make no mistake, when this is all said and done, this, this on paper should, should be a playoff team. But, I mean, they've got a long way to go to get there. I'll just I'll leave it at that. Yeah, it's a really fair point, and uh, it's very easy to get on the hype train and uh, looking at OBJ yesterday and looking at Greedy Williams today, thinking, mm -hmm. okay, we're going to win the Super Bowl. But there's, there's 32 teams, and only one winner can be the Super Bowl. And you look at maybe like I can compare because I'm English, like the Premier League. Yeah. There's, what, uh, 20 teams? 
in, in the Premier League and you've got one winner. We've got 32 teams in the NFL. So uh, the moon and the sun has got to be in line for you to win that Super Bowl. Exactly. The, the ball has to bounce your way. I mean, yeah, you said it, Paul. Like the difference between – and uh, Jarvis Landry was talking about this earlier today. You know, the difference between 7, 8, and 1 – and 11 and five or, or, or even 12 and four, it's, it's razor thin. I mean, it really is because all these teams, I mean, out of those 32 teams, I mean, you can make a case for, you know, 20, 25 teams to win nine or 10 or more games uh, because there's just so much talent in this league. So a lot of it is just how you come off those losses, how you start the season and how you're able to ride momentum and, and, and string wins together. And the Browns are, are going to have to try to do all those things the right way this season. It's going to be really interesting with, with a first-year head coach to, to be able to try to do all that successfully and, and to be able to try to get into the postseason after they haven't done it for so long. What's your uh, win-loss prediction? I'm 10-6 uh, I'm right now. I'm at 10-6. and six. How about you? Which would get them in? I'm sorry, I hate doing this. I'm exactly the same as you, 10-6. Uh, 10 that's okay. I, yes, I uh, feel, yeah, I feel, I feel pretty good about 10-6. and six. Now, like you said, you know, give me a few more uh, Odell catches and greedy interceptions, and maybe I'll be at 11-5 and five in, a, in a couple of weeks. But, um, yeah, I think 10-6 I think and six with this team. But, hey, I mean, they could be 11-5. and five. They could be nine and seven or eight and eight. I mean, there's just a wide, uh, just such a wide array of possibilities depending on how you know the best players on this team play, depending on injuries. Um, but uh, but no, this 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 should be a playoff team. It absolutely should be. Excellent, Pat. I just want to say thank you so much for your time. Where can people find your details? Um, so my Twitter is at Pat Kiesa. Uh, P-A-T-C-H-I-E-S-A. Post a ton of stuff. Uh, like I said, I'm at camp uh, every day. Post a ton of video clips. You can uh, check out. Uh, I posted a cool clip of uh, Greedy's interception from today. And then from yesterday, uh, Odell's uh, impressive juggling at catch from the sideline. So really into posting those video clips. You can check that out. And then, uh, of course, plug our sports department, WKYC.com. We have a ton of stuff on there from the whole team and, of course, uh, plenty of stuff from uh, the great Jim Donovan as well. Excellent. All right, Pat, thank you very much for your time. I look forward to seeing all my travels this year. And, uh, yeah, go Browns. All right. Thanks so much for having me, Paul. really appreciate it, man. Thank you very much, mate. Uh, take, some, uh, take care, and uh, uh, I look forward to meeting you face-to-face. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. I had a blast. Appreciate it.